welcome back to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Callum Jasmine, and today another audio edition of Campaign Review as we look at some recent ads that come out of the Australian market. You'll hear a breakdown of the latest spots from Amy, Toyota, Suzuki, and the first campaign ad for the Indigenous Voice referendum. Then Think HQ's Jen Sharp and Comms declares Belinda Noble join the podcast to discuss the complexities of working with energy and fossil fuel clients and where responsibility lies as the sector looks to transition. But first, joining me here today is our very own journalist Kalila Welch. Hey Kalila. Hello, how are you? I'm brilliant and we have National Chief Creative Tinker at Thinkabell, Jim Ingram. Hey Jim. Hello Callum, how are you? Very good once again. And finally, <laughs> Chief Creative Officer at Accomplice, Glenn Dalton. Hey, Glenn, how are you doing? Hey, Kel, I'm doing well, mate. Nice to talk to you. Welcome to you all, and it's uh, it's nice to have a Melbourne-centric podcast today, I must say. So why don't we uh, kick things off with the first ad, um, what, what looks like it will be one of the most important campaigns um, to come out of uh, any agency this year. It's the History is Calling campaign uh, form from the Uluru Statement via the Monkeys part of Accenture Song. As I mentioned, there's the first campaign to come on the First Nations Voice referendum, which will be coming at some point in the uh, near future, urging Australians to consider how a yes vote could change Australia. Um, got a short clip of it here. We'll just play that to, uh, to get, get your head in the right space. I got a story to tell you. It's a good one. It's about how these people, the first people, got a voice. 60,000 years they've been speaking. Had 363 languages. But no voice. No say on matters which affected them. It wasn't right. So, me and your granddad. Me and your mum. The whole nation did something about it. People call their friends and families. People talked about it on the streets. Jim, let's um, start with you. This one came out Monday morning and attracted a bit of attention. What what were your initial thoughts on this and what did you make of it? Uh, my initial thoughts on this were I can only imagine the conversations and the sort of, let's say, strategic and creative ideation that went around what are we going to do with this particular brief, with this with this challenge that we've got in front of us. Um, because it's it's really important, as you said at the start, uh, it's complex, but it's also got a really uh, specific job to do to motivate uh, the country to um, to do the right thing here and, and vote for the referendum. Um, and I think the gang at the Monkeys uh, slash Accenture slash Song have done an absolutely brilliant job at, at managing the tone of this. Um, I think they've handled this superbly. I, I saw it for the first time on one watch and... And I was just so impressed by the the way they've delivered the message, the tonality of it, the way that it inspires without needing to feel like you're getting um, politicised in a way. You know, this is essentially, if you boil this all down, it, this is this is political type, type, of, type of advertising that's trying to rally a community to get behind this particular cause. And they've just done it with such a deft touch. Uh, and I feel spoiled for choice across all four that we're reviewing here because I'm really complimentary of it uh, and of the other stuff we're going to be talking about. But this particularly, I I just tipped my hat straight away to, this, to the style and the tonality and the way they brought this message to life. Uh, and it got me, you know, it got me on board straight away. Uh, and I'm, yeah, I was really, really impressed. Glenn, uh, and then on to you, the kind of, as Jim mentioned there, it was kind of 
you know, they're really. I think the the the, the words you used there, the deaf touch, was what what stuck out stuck out to me. What did you make of the fact that it was more of an emotional message rather than getting into the actual details of what the referendum will yeah. be looking at? Yeah, again, I thought it was brilliant um, that the fact that it, it I actually felt like I'd already voted. Like that's the beauty of this, uh, and I love the flip at the end. Is it true? Well, it could be. Um, and I'm sure there's a behavioural science thing in here about projecting what the outcome is and, and therefore it will be. Uh, I feel like I've already committed to it and we all have, so I feel like I've already played my role <laughs> and it's now it's a default just to vote yes. Um, I just think it's beautifully told. I got that, that insight, the first line is a cracker, the um, 60,000 years of speaking yet not a voice. I thought, well, drop the mic there, that's... Um, if, you, if you, that doesn't get you to vote, um, I don't know what will because um, they, they deserve a voice, a very big voice. And Kalila, any uh, comments from you on this one? Uh, I, I just have to agree. I feel like the monkeys really hit the nail on the head with this one. It was um, really well done. The tone was really well placed. It was very emotive. I'm not a crier, but I definitely felt some tears well up in my eyes by the end of the spot. Um, I also think it's worth noting and really heartening to see that they've included um, First Nations voices throughout the whole production of the spot. So in the release, they noted it was directed by a First Nations person and they also included um, First Nations cinematography and um, composition as well. And I'm sure that that's been obviously, I mean, it's an obvious thing to do, but something that so many um, brands and agencies often miss out. So I think that that's probably um, really helped to get the tone and the positioning right for this campaign. I think that observation of um, diversity, not only in the production and in the process they went through, I, I think there's a real inclusivity in the story they've decided to tell. I think this will resonate with a really broad bandwidth of Australians and of people who are needing to vote, which is no mean feat in itself. So you know, when I spoke of the class in which they delivered this, I think it, it also comes down to the the simplicity in which they put the message in front of me. I think that will be really flexible. Um, there'll be a huge diversity across who this will connect with and give you the feels the same way um, you said you, you, you got a clue. Um, yeah, that, that's a tricky thing when it's a, such a specific message you're trying to get across. So I don't think it'll just resonate with me and my type and, you know, you and your type. I think it'll be really broad. So, yeah, I think that's a huge benefit. Before, before we um, get to everyone giving their, their rating on this one, Glenn, it's, it, they've built on this history as calling platform, which we have seen before, not in a full ad campaign, um, with a date still, I guess, not set for that referendum. Do you think it's something that they could really continue to build on? Uh, absolutely, this momentum, and I think the um, the private sector is playing a big role in a lot of um, political movements these days. Um, so I think this is just going to fast track the date, and it's going to like someone's going to have to put a, a date pretty soon because the groundswell is is there. Um, so I think yeah, this is this is community, and as Jim was saying, it does talk to all of us. Uh, I see myself in this, and I'm sure that any, any viewer will put themselves in this, and I think it's up to the government. To, to put a date to this now. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's a brilliant piece of work and, um, yeah, a good one to start with today. Okay, quick rating out of 10. Kalila, you first. Nine out of 10. Jim? Uh, I'm going to break convention and give it 60,000 votes, one for each <laughs> year. It's, it's exceptional. I'll give it a nine. <laughs> and Glenn? Yeah. 
Yeah, again, um, gee, it's close to 10, but I think a nine. You know, hold myself back yeah. a little no bit. No one can give a 10. You can never give a 10, yeah. can you? <laughs> no. Well, no we've, got, we've yeah. got three more to come. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, right, next up we have a, a couple of grand final spots, um, which are also covered in the written edition of this week's campaign review. Um, the first is a new ad for the Toyota Hilux. Um, it's a campaign via Saatchi, and Saatchi shows the ghost of a family's father ransacked the house before bursting out the front door to drive away in his old beloved Hilux, showing its unbreakable connection to families. Uh, here's a little clip of that one. Was that, did he just... He did. Cool. So that full, uh, the full spot there is 90 seconds, one that will uh, no doubt be cut down, but you sort of feel like the, the ad needs the full thing to kind of get the story there. Glenn, um, let, let's start with you. What did you make of this one uh, debuting during the grand final? Yeah, I, I saw it as a punter would uh, in the grand final. So it, um, I was drawn in because I, I, it felt big. I mean, the production values were there and I, I felt tonally it was, uh, it was a big ask to get the audience from when they would be getting beers out of fridges and whatever. Uh, but once I was in, I, I really enjoyed it on, on subsequent views. Um, yeah, I, I wonder how it did cut through on the day, though, um, being so long and whatever. So but Unbreakable Connection, I think, I mean, obviously we've grown up with that Unbreakable platform talking about the car, but I, I do think, and all the sales figures for Toyota, the Hilux is that, that connection with driver is so, um, it, it's there. So they're not just making this up, which I love. Um I can't help but think the one New Zealand that the sister agency did the year before for Unbreakable Bond was it's just more of a celebra- celebration. Um, and I just, I, it was just a beautiful insight into that, you know, um, conversation out the window. So this is, this is a lovely ad. Um, uh, be- uh, the song, everything's really nice in it. I, I don't know if it'll linger around and be a famous ad for them, um, but I really enjoyed it. Um, um, but I, yeah, 30 seconds. Good luck telling this story because you really need need that time to to enjoy it. But I think it was beautifully done, and I think was it Finch again? Finch did a couple of these ones today, uh, beautifully produced. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed it, especially just getting in that car and seeing the seatbelt on and the, the tape player and the cracking song. Uh, it's good. It made me feel good, and it, it's true. Um, I also like that currently is it um, is it Densu that have a Toyota ad that. Has the odometer ticking yeah. over and people, yeah, I know it's not Hilux, but I just think at the moment that connection with Driver and Toyota is something they're doing so well. Um, so, yeah, um, hats off to Toyota at the moment. Kalila, we'll go um, go to you next. Uh, yeah, uh, my initial thoughts when I watched it as well was, wow, this feels like a like a big one that they've gone in for. Kalila, what were your thoughts? And I guess if you were watching it first time during the football yeah, I wasn't watching it first time. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm not a massive um, AFL fan, but uh, I, I agree. It seemed, it felt like a big production. It felt like I think Sachi and Sachi did a really good job on the storytelling um, and it was really engaging to watch uh, as a viewer. One thing I'd note kind of similarly along the lines of what Glenn's mentioned is with it being a 90 second spot, I can imagine it's going to be very easy for the messaging to get I guess lost kind of if people aren't necessarily hooked in straight away or if maybe they're not paying 
full attentions for that 90-second period and then, again, cutting it up, um, what's what's that going to look like, you know, in a 30-second spot for TV? Will it be as effective and engaging? I'm not sure. But um, as as it stands in the 90 seconds, I really enjoy the viewing. And finally to you, Jim. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, I think spoiled for choice. I, I really like this too. I, I love I love the modern way that they've – it feels like a classic Hilux ad, but it doesn't feel like your classic hard, tough, rugged Hilux ad, but it's got all the hallmarks that, that made me understand what I needed to kind of link with straight away. And, look, as, as far as the storytelling goes, I clicked on – I think I clicked on, and they've designed it, I think, that way really. I clicked on quite early where I knew – I kind of knew what was going to happen, so then I could just enjoy – the storytelling and the nuance of how they how they delivered it for me, um, and you know, and dropping Norman Greenbaum that song right at the right time and just enough of it, I was like, ah, oh, fucking awesome yeah. touch. So yeah. there's there's sort of storytelling narrative that I enjoyed, thinking I knew where this was going to go with all the hallmarks of classic Hilux advertising wrapped up really nicely. Again, that Finch had done a brilliant job bringing this to life. Um, in terms of the length of it. I actually think I think this will cut beautifully into. I'd love the task of cutting this into thirty, and I can kind of imagine all you need is the ghost appearing, or you know, the keys swiping, and then the moment yeah. of the song and the car drawing up, and that the dialogue of was that dad, and did he just? Yep, yep. That's all you need, you know, and 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 you've got this idea of you, you know your love for the Hilux is unbreakable and with you forever. My last little note on this one is, uh, Glenn, I agree with you as well. That the sort of broader linkage to Toyota's longevity i think is a, a, a brilliant sort of strategic approach for the brand um mm. you know the car new car market at the moment is crazy particularly toyota's there's two three four year waits at the moment for new cars so they've obviously decided to build equity into holding on to what you've got as yeah. well and, and and making it worth the wait for a new car all of the yeah. stuff behind the scenes that this does i think is um is really really smart and there's quite a bit of maybe just because we're doing it a bit, there's a bit of sort of history stuff at the moment, 100-year brands, 50-year brands. There's quite a few we're doing, and it's tricky to do history and still make something feel modern. And the fact that they managed to do that storytelling really well with a modern twist on Unbreakable for Hilux today, but looking back over the years, you know, I think they've done a really good job. So, again, I'm really complimentary of this one. I think, um, I think it's a ripper. Hmm. I guess one thing that they might have helped vote? themselves with there at the new car market is uh, it kind of made me thinking I want to get one of those old ones instead. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> they're worth more than the new ones. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, J- Jim, you can kick us true off with then. the votes. Ninety-eight uh, percent octane. That's is that the highest you can get in petrol these days? What's the next one down? <laughs> no, I'm going to give it ninety-eight percent octane out of a hundred. That's presuming it's unleaded, aren't they, diesel? Oh, shit. It's probably electric now. <laughs> Hybrid. I'm going to give it 8.8. No, I'm going to give it a 9 again. I feel feel yeah. lame giving it the same score. But I'm going to give it a 9.2. For, 9.2? For wow. Yeah. Um, a little bit a little below. 8.8. 8. I, I, I think there's a – got to save some room. But I, 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 amazing ad. Really good. I, I loved it. Today's top four. Is, you've given us – you've spoiled us. This one's an eight for me, but bearing in mind that I'm definitely not the target market and I don't drive a car, so I'm not really that drawn in by the narrative, but um, I can appreciate the creative for sure. All right. Um, Well, at this point, before we get into the next um, 
grand final ad, I would just like to say go Cats, um, but I'll leave that there. <laughs> they um, ruined it for everyone. Well, not everyone, not everyone. Um, <laughs> everyone else. Mostly just the Swans. Yeah. Uh, next, staying with the um, grand final debuts, this one um, more specifically played for the, the big occasion with Amy's uh, preventing of the ultimate clangor in a spot which featured some of the biggest names in AFL folklore, including Cyril Rioli, Kevin Bartlett, Dennis Cometti, Sabrina Frederick and more, uh, delivering the match day ball back to the MCG. This one came via OMD in partnership with Amy and Seven West Media. Uh, here's a little clip of that one. Bobbing up and down like a cork in the ocean. No, hold it. I just wanted to play that part just because of how good Dennis Cometti's voice <laughs> is. Um, uh, Jim, coming from an agency that loves to play on kind of lived and live moments, working on the pulse of society, what did what did you make of this one? Uh, look, I, I, it ranks that moment. So I was at the game when when this all unfolded in front of me, um, and when it when it concluded with the actual live ball delivery moment, and they timed all that perfectly, where the ball was actually delivered on ground, uh, in sync with um, with the formation of the ad. I'd had had a couple of beers at that stage, but I was like, how the how the hell did they coordinate that? And I just gave it kudos and props. And I couldn't even quite take in the ad, although it was pretty good at, at the at the on-ground experience. But upon then watching it again, now that they've packaged it all up and incorporated that live moment at the very end of the actual spot, uh, it, it's just a, a brilliant, brilliant touch that you, can, you almost can't deny. Um, uh, but then they've added polish, execution, uh, uh, football nuance. I am a football fan and I love the AFL and there's so much in this that you can watch it yeah. over and over and over and over, including the Dennis Cometti moment. Um, so there's, it feels like the big, the big rolling rollicking ad that we've missed for a while is back. You know, but I've obviously taken this by the scruff of the neck and said, we're going to go for it this year. Um, I, you know the the pre production on this would have been incredible, uh, nice. and 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 I couldn't pick many faults to be honest. You know, you know it's always a bit hard when you're pulling in so many celebs and even just getting them to sort of deliver their lines with authenticity. Um, I just I just think they did a brilliant job with such a huge beast. Sometimes you're careful for what you wish. You're careful what you wish for in in big bold approaches like this. But I think they delivered it and executed it um, impeccably well. And yeah, just. Just reiterating that moment at the end, you know that I, that feels like one of those things that comes a bit later in the process. They would have had the idea, maybe, you know, I'm guessing here. And then, oh, what if we can live link to the actual delivery and then bundle that up as the actual ad? Even that alone, I can only imagine the rights and the headspace around approvals just to get that end bit that was live to now live forever on the back of the actual ad. That would have been a headache, but totally worth it. Um, yeah, I was very impressed. Very impressed. Yeah, it sort of um, took me back to some of those older AFL ads with all the superstars kind of running through the the battlegrounds mm. and fighting raging bulls and stuff like that. It was it was very impressive. As you, I agree with you there. The fact that it kind of the production value, everyone kind of played their part. Um, well, the part that that part. Oh, sorry, that partnership thing. I think whether it's by accident or design, uh, brands that the AFL has associated themselves with have done 
I'll say, a probably almost a better job, or it's just a significant job of uplifting the spirit of the game. You know, the Toyota legendary moments ads that were were famous for so long did did such a great job at making me love football. Amy's starting to do it, um, you know, really, really well. This uh, this is half AFL ad, half Amy ad, all rolled into one. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. That, <laughs> I, I interrupted. You, kind of, you said what I was trying to, to unsuccessfully uh, say as well. So, um Kalila, uh, you've kind of mentioned that you're not a massive AFL fan, considering the fact that you didn't watch the game. Um, but what did you what did you make of that one? <laughs> I really liked this ad, actually. As you mentioned, as I mentioned, I don't really like sport or the AFL, but um, it kind of made me feel like I wanted to tune in next year. Um, it made me feel really on board with the spirit of the sport, and I think it was such a great use um, of that clangers you know, positioning that Amy's used in partnership with the AFL. Um, it was such a great iteration, you know, the whole journey of getting the ball back to the stadium. Um, and as you mentioned, Jim, getting that, you know, connected live in the stadium and timing it up so well. I think it's really, really clever. I think the production production value um, was very impressive. And it just it felt really fun and inclusive, even as somebody that, you know, doesn't necessarily know every celebrity that's been included in the lineup. It felt like something that you could get involved in. Glenn, what is it you think uh, kind of on on Jim's point there that, you know, brands know does so well with so many Australians? You know, you mentioned Toyota. We've, you know, there's the, the NAB mini legends. It seems mm. like brands really yeah. like to play into this and it always does well. Yeah. I think it's been relevant and, and the two examples are bang on. Like they actually give value. They give entertainment value. There's there's um, the halftime stuff with NAB that they've done for two or three years now. Um, and, and this, the Clangers, I think this is probably the third year that Clangers has been happening and that, and that happens. It recaps as it's, it's linked with uh, the broadcast and on the AFL website. Uh, I think it's just a, a beautiful integration. And this is the kind of stuff that agencies all around Australia pitch they pitch clients this stuff and we if we have this idea and we could then we could end up here and it takes a lot of effort to get there and so just kudos i actually thought ogilvy might have been involved in this but this is just a media thing with seven west and so the production values and just the the buy-in from everyone and and just getting this together massive effort to the guys i I was really impressed that this this happened um i I guess the pass the ball thing has been done a million times but i think it has been done a while because it works (laughs) um yeah Yeah. all around australia lots of people there's some great cameos like kevin sheedy and uh, moldhouse chess game and it was really enjoyable to watch and watching it live and seeing the start of it was really good that's how it all started i remember parachuting in from the mcg it's like they got you instantly am i watching a live one (laughs) yeah yeah, you know, so I did a really good job. Um, so uh, this will do well in, in, in media awards or whatever, just being there at the right time. Uh, yeah, I think I think punters would have really enjoyed this. I think you can just uh, you can just imagine the uh, those in those in charge of it. Uh, Amy were kind of sitting back, thinking our job is done after the bounce started, and that had uh, gone off smoothly. Um, okay, uh, Glenn, first rating from you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would look. I give this one a nine as well. I, um, it, it's just uh, really well done, beautiful production values, and and really entertaining. So, uh, and, and bang on brand. Like as Jim was saying, I think that combination of a great sponsorship is does the job for themselves and who they're sponsoring. And I feel, I feel they're all contributing to the greater good of of, of the spectacle. So, fantastic. 
Kalila? I think I'd have to give this one a nine as well. And Jim, give us some variation here. Uh, <laughs> 39 disposals, four goals, and a best on ground for me for, for the day. Uh, I get it, I'm going to give it nine and a half. Oh, wow. Uh, and it gets it gets an extra half point. It's my favourite of the bunch. It gets the extra half point to the integrated end moment. I just think that's the modern yeah. way to do messaging, advertising, execution. I'm jealous. And um, bonus one here. Uh, are there any, any favourite off the top of your head grand final ads ever? Any that stand out? I'll, I'll jump in. Years ago, there was always the Carlton made from beer ads. I think they launched grand final first ad break or before the bounce. They were always good. I, I missed the beer ads. So, you know, you got insurance mobs t- taking and picking up the slack of the old beer ads. So uh, bringing some epicness back uh, is, is very much yeah. needed, especially at our grand finals. You know. Yeah, I think I think because I was so impressed with the oomph and energy and uh, – half-timeness of, of, of this. It reminded me that they haven't been around for a while. Like we don't do, we don't hero that moment the way they do at the Super Bowl. Um, so, I, you know, apart, yeah, again, apart from the Carlton Draft stuff, I can't think of big footy-related grand final moments that, that equal this. Uh, and uh, finishing off, uh, another car ad, um, Suzuki's latest in its For Fun's Sake platform via Deloitte Digital. Um, this time, the new S-Cross. Uh, the ad features a couple getting a call from Adventure with the line at the end uh, when they then abandon their day at their job. It says, when Adventure calls and you drive in the new Suzuki S-Cross, it already has its answer. Here's a uh, short clip from, from that phone call. You guys coming? No. No, seriously. No. What? We've got jobs. Um, look, at, I'm, I'm up for a promotion, mate. Look, we love you. Lame. You're lame. It's a shame. It's a shame. Kalila, another uh, car ad here. What did you make of Suzuki continuing its um, for fun's sake play? I liked this spot. I particularly liked the first half of the spot. I felt like the dialogue kind of had a bit of cut through. It was a little bit of a different take uh, on a car ad for me. Um, I think by the end of the ad, it did it did definitely feel like it had gone back into the traditional car ad kind of format trajectory. Um, so I feel like the end could have been maybe stronger, but um, I still liked it. I thought it was fun and I think it was, it was really cute with the um, – the caller name being Adventure, I thought that played out nicely. Glenn, uh, what, what did you make of it? Anything you would have kind of done differently there based on what Khalil has said towards the back end uh, of that spot? I, I, I think Jim mentioned jealousy before. I, I, I just look at this this campaign and just kudos to the agency and, and Suzuki just for for backing and positioning and, and just keeping it fresh. It's, it's very focused, but it's always fresh. There's, there's always another one um, down the track and I look forward to that. Uh, the casting in this, the delivery, the the dialogue that is just, it's captured so beautifully that it's, it's not expected dialogue. Um, and that's what I love. Uh, we've got jobs, we're busy. Like It's just, I don't know, there's some real craft in this that I really enjoyed. What's that, Kalia? I was just adding in it. Um, the dialogue felt kind of more authentic sometimes than these kind of spots can. It, it yeah. felt like it was an actual conversation. 
Yeah, and they've got a, like the, the the lame kind of cry. There's potential to kind of catch on a bit. Um, uh, and I think there's a truth in this as well. Like you know, you, you sometimes you're, you're there with your partner, and so you just want to burrow in for the weekend or whatever. And and that call to be a part of whatever's happening um, is sometimes it's there. Sometimes you dodge it. Uh, but there's a real nice human truth in this that that, that tension of ah oh, fuck it, it's, oh, we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll be a part of it. And and I think that liberty of once you do make that decision, it's going to be fun. Uh, that that's a nice insight and. Uh, <laughs> And how they were ill prepared up there in the start. But I thought it was really, really nice. And yes, I, it did get the bit carry at the end with the features and whatever. But you know, working on on car for about eight years, I can tell you what, just just having one feature and one little bit, they did a really good job to keep it keep it back. Did you know cars uh, have reversing cameras now, Glenn? <laughs> our windows too. <laughs> They've shown not it. On the, not on the timeless Toyota Hilux, but you know. Nah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jim. Yeah, look again. I agree. Couldn't agree more with um with Glenn. The the Suzuki for fun's sake stuff. When that first started coming out, I was like, ah, oh, you've done something good here. And every time it shows up, I'm excited to see how they'll do it next. And it's really brave car brand to own for fun's sake, but it's perfect for, for Suzuki. And they've stuck to it. We talk about brand distinctiveness and creating brand worlds now and um, distinctive assets and all that. You kind of can feel a Suzuki ad when it's coming, and then when they deliver it. So I actually didn't mind the car stuff. Because I know it's, I know what its job is as well. But they, they allow, they set you up to smile. The dialogue, the interaction with the, um, the characters and things. It puts the smile on your face. Then you can tolerate the car moments, and you, you yeah. sort of, you've accepted all the terms, and then you can just enjoy. Um, yeah, the dialogue and the casual na- the nature of, uh, of how they, how they uh, talk to each other there is, is what draws you in. And kudos to Maddie Lawson, who's the chief CCO. Uh, at Deloitte being the voiceover that's singing the label, if you know him. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he's the voiceover. <laughs> he's adventure. Um, but with Kalela, I, I think I agree a bit too, and, I, and I'm a bit uh, unfair judge of Suzuki at the moment because I, I was expecting a bit more out of the end, but I don't, I don't mind how it ended, but I was going aware, you know, I know, I know now, obviously they're heading up and they're going to go to the thing what will happen when they get there? And I probably was setting myself up for more. Um, and then, you know, it's lovely played out where they get out of the car and they realise it's fucking freezing. So that's enough. But maybe I was just left a tiny bit flat because I'm smiling right throughout and probably wanted that last little final moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, re- really well done on a platform that's setting them up for more and more and more of this sort of stuff. One little uh, nitpick I would have was it's about, I think about 16 or 17 seconds into the actual phone call with Adventure. It goes to the screen and it says the, the call's only been going for about five seconds. So maybe that's just... <laughs> Do you, are you old enough to remember Hey, Hey, It's Saturday? They used to have a segment where you could ring it or write in a uh, yes. page and go, look, there's a fault in this ad. You could have sent it in. <laughs> maybe time to bring that back up. Um, well, that is um, that. That concludes. Oh well, no, we didn't have to do a rating, did we? Okay, Jim, you can uh, kick us off with the ratings of this final one. I'm banning oh, I the flat nine. Yeah, this is this is sport for choice. So this is my least preferred, but it's still going to get an. It's going to get an eight point one. Eight point one, yep. Kalila. This is an eight for me. An eight. And Glenn, uh, I, I look 
10 for platform and eight for this this execution but uh love the platform um but yeah eight for this one brilliant uh well that concludes the audio campaign review and uh up next we have jen sharp and belinda noble on fossil fuel clients in advertising Belinda Noble, founder of Comms Declare for Climate and Jen Sharp, founder of Think HQ. Welcome to you both to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so it's it's been a big year in the energy sector in the, I guess, our marketing industry with some of the market's biggest providers shifting agencies, quite high profile ones in particular, bringing into focus the relationship between advertisers and some of these clients before um, last week, the 2022 edition of the F list was published by Clean Creatives and Comms Declare. Belinda, might be a good place to start with you. Um, could you begin by telling us a little bit about the inception of the F list last year and I guess what um, the aim of this year's edition was? Yeah, so uh, Comms Declare started uh, just listing agencies that work with fossil fuels on our website um, sort of two and a half years ago. And uh, when Clean Creative started in uh, the US, uh, we had a we had a good chat and we decided to uh, take it global. So last year we had, uh, I think it was around 90 agencies that we could find um, predominantly in the US and Australia that were involved in fossil fuels. And this year we've expanded further. We've got uh, more allies um, in Africa and also Europe. And uh, this year we found 239 agencies uh, that work with fossil fuels. It's not an easy thing to do to find who's actually doing this work because um, a lot of agencies do hide it. They don't put it on their websites. But uh, we reckon 239 is probably just the, the, the tip of the iceberg uh, globally. And uh, it's around uh, 80 in Australia as well. And I guess the aim is just to start a conversation um, to, to highlight uh, the, the role of media and communications agencies in aiding and abetting, um, you know, high greenhouse gas polluters. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an overlooked part of the, the climate equation and uh, one that we think uh, is, is, is absolutely important, um, as does, as it turns out, the, um, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, who told the UN General Assembly um, just a week or so ago that um, he said, massive public relations machine is raking in billions to shield the fossil fuel industry from scrutiny. So we're in line with the UN, um, which is weird as a, as a climate activist. Um, Jen, as a business owner, where do you see the sort of um, the responsibility lying here? I know uh, your agency has focused quite a lot on purpose in the past. Um, should should agencies, you know, be be open to this kind of work? And I mean, if they are, should they have to disclose it? I think every agency absolutely needs to make a choice as to whether they'll work with. Um, polluters. To me, it's about choosing a side. So it's either working with clients that are actually doing damage to our world or choosing clients who are aspiring to do better. And I started my agency 12 years ago because prior to that, I was sitting in a global where I was leading the social marketing team and directly across the partition, there were clients within the consumer team that were directly at odds with the campaign that I was trying to run. 
And I just thought, even from a creative and an energy point of view, I just could never understand how you could put your energy into one campaign and then put it into another within the same business that are in, directly in conflict with each other. It just didn't make sense. So I created Think HQ in 2010 um, to just purely dedicate the agency to working on projects that led to positive social impact. So that's always been our choice and it always will be. And I think it's now up to all the agencies out there to decide if they are going to work with unethical clients, they need to be open about that and they also need to understand that the chances of working with clients that conflict with those that they're working with is is going to become a reality. Belinda, before we get into, I guess, some of the points that um, Jen mentioned there a little bit further on, um, another interesting uh, kind of angle that came out of the list last week pointed to, um, I guess, in terms of naming and shaming those that are working with these fossil fuel clients, um, a comment on the article said, why not, you know, publicist and Toyota, the largest car company in Australia that burns the most fuel? What about some of the agencies that work with Qantas and Virgin? Um, is there is it, what, what's sort of the reason for I guess drawing the line specifically with these fossil fuel emitters? Well, I love the fact that people are calling out um, airlines and uh, um, car companies um, as big polluters. Um, that is absolutely the case, and uh, they do need a, a um, closer scrutiny as well. However, um, Comms Declare focuses on fossil fuel companies um, in particular because Australia is one of the biggest um, exporters of fossil fuels globally, and in fact, um, you know, uh, Australia's exported emissions are on par with Russia's. So that's why we think um, it's an, um, a good starting point. Um, and, and certainly the, the big car makers that have been obstructing um, emissions reductions, as um, we're told Toyota has been, and uh, the airlines um, absolutely um, deserve attention as well and are more than happy to uh, add them in the future. You um, In the list you mentioned some of the, um, the top polluting clients in Australia and, you know, in the, in those, I think in the top four, three of the biggest um, consumer energy providers are in there with AGL, Energy Australia um, and Origin. Um, AGL obviously shifting its um, creative and, well, sticking with its media agency, UM, this year and shifting its creative agency and Energy Australia right now has a um, tender out for both of those um, services as well. Belinda, do you think there is a place for agencies within this relationship, though? You know, Jen, you spoke about before clients that aspire to do better. We have seen um, in this sector, for example, Origin Energy making some moves recently to sort of pull out from some of those, um, I guess, fracking or however you would want to to phrase it, um, projects. What do you see the role is here if they are, I guess, attempting to to do better? Well, I guess you have to um, decide your comfort level. Um, So we know that to remain around 1.5 degrees warming, we need to cut emissions to around 70% um, in the next seven years. So there are currently no energy um, companies in Australia that are anywhere near that. Um, They have aspirations to be net zero by 2050. However, their, their current trajectory is not on that path. Um, and you have to consider someone like AGL 
um, who is going to be in coal after 2040 if they are really on the right path or not because we've been told by the IPCC that um, developed countries need to be out of coal by 2030. So that's where um, agencies really have to look at what their comfort level is. Um, Everyone wants to do better. Everyone has aspirations to do better. But are those aspirations backed up with actual concrete plans? And uh, certainly we've seen... um, you know, um, investigations looking at how much of um, the big oil and big energy companies um, are um, spending uh, capital expenditure on uh, clean energy as opposed to fossil fuels. And it's it's still only around 12% in general. So um, I would consider that to be, um, that's why we would say don't work with any of these companies. They're, they're just not on the right path. And Jen, I guess... Um... With your article, you did um, kind of speak about. Uh, well, it would, it would be interesting to first of all get you to speak about. Uh, I guess the key point of that, which was hiding behind good creative, and then second of all, speaking about clients in general that do good. Um, and, and I guess to the same point, how do you draw the line on what you would perceive as a client that does good and one that you know maybe has some of those cracks emerging through it as well. Sure. Yeah, I think um, as I outlined in the article, great creative and awards around winning great creative is absolutely at the core of our sector. And I've always, always wondered how it is possible that an agency can win an award for working with a big gambling company and then win another award for working with a big charity that um, is affected by chronic gambling and gambling addiction. I just don't understand how the force of great creative can somehow dissolve the ethical conflict that sits um, in that scenario. So for me, I think um, it's about understanding what the impact of great creative is having in the world And if it's having a negative impact, is that something that the agency is comfortable in sitting with? And if it is, then don't pretend that the great creative that's leading to positive social impact is the dominant element of your business because it's not. It's often a side business or it's often a pro bono gig or it's often a low bono gig to win an award. But the core business is um, doing damage um, and there's a commercial decision that has been made that enables that to happen. So we've, we've been lucky in that um, we effectively have grown to over 80 people working with government and statutory bodies and philanthropists and not-for-profits. But we are now heading out into more aligned corporate partners, and that includes healthcare, hospitals, education and renewable energy. But actually choosing who is a good partner and who isn't is sometimes really, really tricky. And I've got a couple of examples. So There's a a community foundation in PNG, for example, that is actually a partner. What's the the foundation of um, a mining company, but it's the biggest employer of people on the ground in PNG. And they really wanted to work with us, the, the foundation that is. But when we had a look at it, the activities of the mining company, so where the money is actually coming from, um, it was actually incredibly unethical and we had to We had to say no despite the benefits that the foundation itself was having in the community. 
Um, and another project that we almost signed up to was the regeneration of a closed mining site, which was amazing in its intent. It was very genuine with how this regeneration project was going to occur. But there was also a new housing estate that was kind of attached to this whole redevelopment. Um, and the company that was wanting to do it just wasn't willing or able to be upfront about this housing estate. They just wanted to focus on the regeneration of the site. And so for us, it's about, um, we use the term all the time, being authentically authentic. So it's about being completely honest about your intent. Um, and so it's never, we don't have a particular framework internally to decide, but we always sit down as a group and actually work through the background of the company and look at the intent um, and decide that way. It's it's never going to be completely clear cut. And and just on transparency and disclosure, um, as part of our um, report last year, Fueling Fantasies, we did a bit of a, a look at transparency uh, across the industry and we only found three agencies um, actually ranked well on transparency. Um, most were in the middle and a couple also ranked very poorly and, and that was based on um, what they have on their website, what they will actually um, admit to working on and so forth. So it, it is an issue um, and I guess that's also brought out by the fact that um, we believe that uh, Bastion did the, the latest Glencore um, campaign that um, Comms Declare is involved with um, uh, a complaint about to add standards for alleged greenwashing and Bastion won't confirm whether they even worked on that account um, at the same time, and I think I said in my umbrella, um, that they're also having um, open and transparent discussions, you know, with um, with their uh, target market. So it's just like <laughs> you can't have it both ways, guys. Um, you, you, you know, I think, I think staff and I think other clients have an absolute right to know who you're working with and what sort of work that you're doing. Yeah. I think the, the all the talk around ESG, for some reason, the, the communications agency supply chain of big corporates has yet to be audited as part of the ESG process. And I think it's only a matter of time before that starts happening. And I think agencies need to be prepared to be more transparent and to be able to disclose all the clients they work with so that bigger corporates who are looking to achieve their ESG goals um, are actually very consistent with how and why they choose agencies as well. Yeah, I guess at this point I should um, mention that we did invite a few of the agencies in Australia that work with some of the listed clients onto the podcast today it was, um, I guess, only a few days notice. So um, some did decline for a number of reasons. Um, Belinda, for some of these agencies, um, I guess there are agencies like Jen's, Think HQ, which is it's sort of built around the, the purpose of the clients that it works for and has that sort of framework in place. For those that have maybe found themselves a bit more financially uh, dependent on some of these clients or for whatever reason have longstanding relationships, how would you suggest that uh, I, I guess they do look to transition away from that um, in a way that doesn't sort of disrupt the business um, at a time when obviously this isn't an, something that's illegal um, and I guess if, if they decide that they want to work on those clients then it is sort of um, you know justifiable to an extent. 
Yeah, um, if, if you're in that position and, um, you know, it's certainly a, a difficult one, I guess um, what I would suggest is that you in, interrogate or investigate the claims that um, your client is making um, and ensure that you're not uh, part of the problem and that you're not greenwashing for them. Um, that requires you to um, sort of bone up on the basics of uh, emissions, what's scope one, scope two and scope three, um, you know, uh, methane emissions versus carbon emissions and all those sorts of basics um, and ask the difficult questions of, of those clients um, and uh, ensure that you're um, doing the, the most accurate work possible. Um, obviously, I don't want anyone to go out of business, but I think um, that's a, it's also a bit of a deficit framing. I think um, certainly a lot of the uh, companies that or agencies that are members of Comms Declare are absolutely booming and they only work with ethical clients. And, you know, people are knocking down their door, not just clients, but also staff, you know, they want to do that great work. And, uh, you know, I think if you uh, make that move, it's, um, it's a benefit um, and it's going to make you more money, not, not cost you money. Any clients entitled to work with, um, sorry, any agencies entitled to work with any client, I think the risk is if there's agencies that are happy to continue to work with clients that are becoming um, known as being not illegal, as you say, Cal, but uh, unethical, then there's a risk that they're not going to win other work as a result of that that commercial decision. So it's kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't in a way. And I think it's particularly hard for globals because globals obviously have so many different client groups depending on the country and even depending on the state. So it's it's certainly not an easy thing to transition away from, but I suspect pressure from shareholders, pressure from staff um, and pressure from customers as well may actually at least um, lead these big globals to, to, to start thinking about the choice of clients. And there's the regulators as well. I mean, people seem to forget that we actually have regulators and the, the ACCC is now looking at greenwashing. Um, you know, where, where's AANA? Where's PRIA? Where are their, their codes? Um, why aren't they strengthening um, codes against greenwashing and, and stopping, you know, companies from planting trees in hard hats and pretending that they're actually doing good for the environment when they're the world's biggest thermal coal exporter, you know? Um, they've got a part to pay too. And I absolutely think that um, those regulators need to um, move sooner rather than later uh, and ensure that there is uh, more clarity for clients and agencies about, you know, what is acceptable or not. Yeah, and we have seen a few of these campaigns um, come around the fossil fuel ad ban. Uh, Belinda, which I believe comes declare, has been involved in the, the Yarra City Council, has brought forward a proposal as well as I think Last week um, in the New South Wales Parliament, Green Senator brought forward a bill. Um, so certainly um, the start of a conversation there. It'll be interesting to see where that develops in the Sorry. coming months and years. Oh, I, I've definitely got something to add about that. And is that, that we have started uh, the Fossil Ad Ban campaign, which is aimed at uh, getting tobacco style restrictions on fossil fuel advertising and also to bring in uh, carbon warning labels on high emissions goods, such as SUVs and, and airlines. Um, regulation is coming. 
And uh, that's more reason for agencies and, you know, the, the self-regulators to get up to speed. Um, if, if self-regulation was working, you know, you wouldn't need the legislation. But, um, you know, it, it seems to me that we, we do need um, bans as much as possible um, at the moment um, because we've only got seven years left to halve emissions and um, people aren't moving fast enough. So, um, yeah, pleased to say that uh, six local councils have um, voted to find a way to restrict fossil fuel advertising on their um, council property and at council events. And also um, a bill has been uh, put up at uh, New South Wales government as well to look into the issue. So that's coming. It's happening overseas and um, people need to get their house in order. And I just want to add that when I started Think HQ 12 years ago, um, pretty much everybody I spoke to in the sector told me that it wouldn't work because of my focus on positive social impact. And my business is now over 80 people and continues to grow. And I want other agencies to be able to join me and a small handful of um, of other agencies in only working on projects that lead to positive social impact. And we want to develop wonderful big beautiful creative but we want it to have a social impact a positive social impact in the world as well well i appreciate um both of you coming on today and sharing your perspective thanks for having me thanks callum cheers and that's it for another week on the mumbrella cast please make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform leave us a review if you enjoy the show or if you have any feedback Jim, Glenn, Kalila, thank you very much for joining me today. If you're an art director looking for a job in Melbourne, we're hiring. <laughs> there you go, yeah. shameless plug. You, you call, call accomplice <laughs> before you call Tinkerbell. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Thanks, thanks Bell. Good chatting. Thanks, thanks guys. Always fun. All right. See you later, everyone. All right. Thank bye you. Bye.